So I traveled this week uh, on business, hadn't done that in a while, and um, it was nice to get to upgrade to an exit row without having to pay for it, because I used to travel a lot more and I still had a little status left, so I was able to, able to have that. So it was nice to have that little bit of privilege and treat as you hop on a plane and go. Um, my mom's birthday is today, 84. Woohoo! Uh, we, my sister and I, um, and our niece took her shopping yesterday, which was very fun. And one of the stores we went to, they're like, "Oh, you have a birthday credit." So like privilege, like special privileges are nice, right? They make us feel um, feel good. It can be nice dessert for a birthday if you're at a restaurant, even with a view. Um, a good seat at a concert. Um, who gets to sit up front at graduation or recitals? Um, upgrade to first class, didn't get one of those. <laughs> um, those titles and positions that we might strive for that we think will give us privilege. Um, we like it sometimes, right? Um, it's nice, there's sometimes recognition and honor and attention that goes along with privilege. Some might enjoy that, some might prefer to enjoy those things anonymously, but either way, sometimes perks can be nice. Um, so as I was in D.C. this week for, um, for that project, was um, also able to spend some time with my son, Stephen, who lives in the area there. So another mm. great addition. So not only did I have work, but I actually had to, got to have dinner with my 26-year-old with my son, which was, which was great. Um, so that was, that was really special. Um, one of the other things that happened, though, with the tragedy of, I guess it's a week and a half ago now, things got shifted, and so I had planned this trip in between soccer playoff games, which got moved and rescheduled, and was happening on Thursday night as I was in the meeting, and so the meeting ended, and I was ready to zip up to my room to watch, just stream the game, thank you for technology, right? Um, and as I walked, I went back by a table that had these very beautifully calligraphy um, place cards, so there was a special dinner that was being held that night for the board and for some of the other people that were part of this meeting. This reminded me of annual meetings and other things too, where um, all these special um, special events are held and sometimes honored for people that are privileged. Um, however, there's danger sometimes if we come to expect privilege, um, becomes part of our identity, right? We're used to things like, um, I traveled earlier in the year, or yeah, earlier in the year, and um, Michael used to have different status on at Marriott, and so I checked into the hotel, I'm like, oh, can I get four o'clock checkout? They're like, sorry, you don't have that anymore. <laughs> so, um, so, and you lose things, and so um, it's important that we are aware of our desire for that and our enjoyment of that, because we can allow it to get caught up in our identity and our purpose, and it's what we expect, and we can sometimes lose track of the big picture. And that's what our passage is going to talk to us about today as Jesus um, continues his walk through this, um, through this week. So let's see what Jesus has to say here. So Jesus, so if you recall the last few weeks, the Pharisees and rabbis have been trying to trip Jesus up and ask him questions to try and trap him so they can arrest him or have him um, try, and, try and get him and wasn't happening. So Jesus then, at this point, Jesus turns to the crowds and to his disciples. And he, so we'll just read. Um, Jesus then said to the crowds and to his disciples, the teachers of religious law and the Pharisees are the official interpreters of the law of Moses. So practice and obey what they tell you, 
but don't follow their example. Amen. For they don't practice what they teach. They crush people with unbearable religious demands and never lift a finger to ease the burden. Everything they do is for show. On their arms, they wear extra-wide prayer boxes with scripture verses inside, and they wear robes with extra-long tassels, and they love to sit at the head table at banquets and in the seats of honor in the synagogues. They love to receive respectful greetings as they walk through the marketplaces and be called rabbi. Don't let anyone call you rabbi, for you have only one teacher. Amen. And all of you are equal as brothers and sisters. And don't address anyone here on earth as father, for only God in heaven is your father. And don't let anyone call you teacher or instructors, other versions say, for you have only one teacher, the Messiah. The greatest among you must be a servant, but those who exalt themselves will be humbled, and those who humble themselves will be exalted. All right, so let's see what Jesus has for us here. Is he as we pointed out here, he's turning his attention now. He's criticizing what the what the rabbis and the Jewish leaders are doing, but he's not dismissing them completely. So he's but he's speaking directly to um, to the crowds and to his disciples that they might be able to see. He's pointing out the pride and hypocrisy that that these leaders have grown to love and be accustomed to. It's become their thing. Um, more important even than God and what God would have them do. I find myself struck between this and the difference uh, in the passage that John read earlier, and we'll spend some time talking about that of leaders in the church. But let's um, let's look for a minute. We'll walk walk through this passage, but as we as we think about this, we can also think about where we are in society today, where we are as church, where other churches are, where Christians are, and how we treat one another, and how we elevate ourselves or others uh, in the process. So again, notice who he's addressing here. He's addressing the people. And he's not dismissing the rabbis. Like, he's not saying that, like, these are, um, again, people anointed by God who are sharing God's word, who are, um, who are learning the scriptures, who have devoted their lives to that purpose, but have become misdirected and caught up in the honor for themselves that come along with it. So um, he, he, he talks about um, everything that they do, they do for a show. Uh, so they have the, uh, those prayer boxes, they're called, if you, if you read some different versions of this passage, they call them phylacteries. <laughs> Uh, which are these prayer boxes that they that the rabbis would wear on their arms, wear them on their head, typically during the time of morning prayer. So in those times, as they're uh, as they're out um, um, out and praying, uh, but some would just continue to wear them through the day, just to show how holy they are. And so they talk about their phylacteries wide, and then the way their robes were, they would have tassels to, that would kind of set them apart from others, but they would make very long tassels so they were sure to be noticed as they walked through the marketplace or through wherever, wherever they walked. Uh, they loved sitting proudly in seats of honor in the synagogue, sitting at the head table at the banquets. People would bow to them, they would address them, and they liked it. Um, met with respect in the marketplace, people calling them rabbi. We'll talk a little bit about, about that part, too. But we think about um, how 
the rabbis got misdirected in that time to using their knowledge of God's word um, and their position to judge and oppress. And that's what Jesus is, cha is challenging them about. Like they're using God's word to actually lay heavy burdens on people and don't do anything to help them figure out how to live in faith according to God's word. So they use it to oppress others and elevate themselves. So he's challenged them on discipleship, like how do you help people walk along, alongside and learn, that instead they crush people with those heavy demands. Um, but life gets hard when things cross in. You know, these, the rabbis, like this was their, um, this was their life, it was their study, it was their job, if you will. Um, but others who were going about days and families and work trying to figure out how to keep the law, which was just impossible mm -hmm. with all of the things that they, that they had added on top of it. Um, but it says when, he, when Jesus talks about them not lifting a finger to help lift that burden, it doesn't take the law away, but you, to show them how, how to live. Mm -hmm. And I just know personally, I am so grateful for people who came alongside me in um, seasons of life as we open God's word together mm. and um, learn to understand like what is what is God showing us through his word? What is he teaching us? And then how do you live it? Like last week, we really wrestled with how do we walk in faith and peace and speak life and hope into really scary, uncertain, difficult, painful, grieving situations that we're walking through. And many are walking through in our community and our world right now. So it's like, so discipleship is such an important part of that. It's like how we learn together to walk. And Jesus is like, you're missing it. You're killing people with the law <coughs> and all the other things that they add to it. So I'm just, I'm so grateful for people who invited me alongside and would sit with me and pray with me. And I would learn through their prayers and I would learn through their words. And I would learn through wrestling. I don't know. I don't see trust in this passage. The word's not in there. Tell me, why do you see that? And what does that mean? And then I would wrestle with, what does it mean to trust God? in times that we don't have all the answers. Well, we never do. Sometimes we think we do. <laughs> um, but people, too, help process and pray with me and encourage me through a really difficult time, and we can do that and be that for one another. And that's not what the rabbis of the day were doing. Um, that's not how they were living. So Jesus, uh, in this uh, latter part where he talks about, don't let anyone call you rabbi, he talks about rabbi and father and uh, teacher or instructor. Um, he's making the point that because they've elevated themselves so high above everyone else, they didn't see them as brothers and sisters mm. of those, of the others. Um, but we are, um, we are brothers and sisters. And Amen. You know, he is, he is our teacher. Um, and then he says, don't address anyone here on earth as father. That doesn't mean kids don't call your dad, dad, yeah. <laughs> or father, um, but it was a tradition, like, um, people would call their rabbi father, like their, mm -hmm. their holy father, or whatever, and I know even part of the tradition that I grew up in, um, we would call the priest father, mm -hmm. um, but his point is, God is the father, and the rabbis were losing sight of that, like, they put them, they put themselves even above the law, and above God, because they saw themselves as so worthy, mm. and so capable of keeping the law and earning their own righteousness and their own salvation. They were missing. They were missing that. And then the third, where he says, don't let anyone call you teacher. 
where you have one teacher, um, BSV, um, and, and I've used, used the word instructor there, um, the Messiah, the Christ, like he's speaking about himself in that moment. It's like you have, you have one. Um, he doesn't say I am he, but he is. It's what, it's, it's what he is telling us. And again, it doesn't mean that we don't learn from others. We do learn from others. We learn from people in our groups. We learn from pastors. We learn from, you know, from, other, uh, from other leaders. But we're learning what Jesus teaches from other people, just keeping that right level of priority, just keep, keeping things in perspective and not losing track of, you know, if I come, if I bring a word on a Sunday morning and God gives me a message, like, this isn't my message. Mm -hmm. This is God's word and we're going to wrestle through it together. And I spend time preparing and I spend time praying through it. Um, but it's not ever about me or what I want to say about a particular passage. It's what, you know, what, what God has, what has for us at any at any given point. And then he goes on to say, he closes with the following, uh, which would be a complete shift of flipping upside down of what people thought at that time, that those who exalt themselves will be humbled. Um, that those who humble themselves will be exalted, which is just a complete upside down, um, anti-societal way of thinking about power and mm -hmm. And goodness and glory and, and all of those pieces. And while the lectionary doesn't include these next couple passages, I'm going to put them in here anyway because he then turns and we won't go into the whole passage because we, we won't do it next week and we skip over 24 and we'll do actually just 25 next week. So as he's speaking to the people of the day and speaking to his disciples about Listen to what they say. They have wisdom in the word, but don't do what they do because their example isn't the example that I want you to live. It's not the example that God calls them to live, and they're missing it. So as he's teaching that, he then turns directly to the scribes and to the Pharisees, and he says, but woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you shut the kingdom of heaven in people's faces. Wow. For you neither enter yourselves nor allow those who would enter to go in. They become the stumbling block of people who are trying to get close to God. Uh, and then verse 15 then says the same thing. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites. It's trying to show them. So what Jesus is teaching us here is keep things in right perspective and um, think about our attitude, our posture, and our connection with others. Like the Pharisees separated themselves from other people. They not only elevated themselves, but they didn't get mixed up in the difficulty of life. You know, they just were, you know, you're sinful, you're sinful, you're sinful. Mm -hmm. like, it, was, it was more oppressive than coming along and coming alongside. Um, so it reminds us to be thinking about these things. And so the passage in First Thessalonians that John read for us. <coughs> gives us another picture mm. of church yep. and church leaders. Paul and Silas who planted this church and is writing back to speak back to them. Um, and I want to get into my notes here, but I want to have it in front of me. And um, this letter back to, this, to the Thessalonians, this first one, they are, uh, Paul and Silas are addressing um, 
some of the challenges that the Jewish leaders and others are um, are placing in place. So they're going to the people of the church and they're um, they're trying to dissuade them from the things that Paul and Silas taught them, and oh. trying to um, just trying to, to turn them back turn them back a different a different direction. And so they are um, they are addressing that. Um, don't you remember, dear brothers and sisters, how hard we worked among you? Um, day and night, we toiled to earn a living so that we wouldn't be a burden to any of you as we preached God's good news to you. Again, the contrast between, you know, don't honor me, provide for me, give me the best seat, give, you know, take care of me in all these other ways. They, they worked. Paul had his tent making. Um, mm. They worked so, so that they weren't a burden, but they were there be, being able to... Um, to teach and to share God's word with others. Um, <clears throat> so rather than power, rather than elevate, if you, if you contrast between what the rabbis were doing and what Paul and Silas were doing, so there's the, um, you know, I'm not going to put a burden on you to take care of me or to burden you with the law, but I'm going to bring you the good news. Um, rather than power over them, they said that we're like children among you brothers and sisters together with them, not elevating themselves over them. Um, where the rabbis were untouchable, holy people to be admired uh, in, the mar in the marketplace, or, you know, um, that you would give honor to. Um, Paul says, actually in the verse, um, the end of the passage last week, like a mother feeding and caring for her own children, and then in today's passage, um, like a father with the children. Um, like a father treats his own, yeah, like a father treats his own children. Rather than being expected to be cared for, they worked hard to earn a living as we already shared. Mm -hmm. um, and rather than oppress and laden them with the law, we loved you so much that we shared the good news and our own lives as well. Like they shared their wrestling, they shared um, everything about their lives and they came alongside so that people could learn what does it look like to trust Jesus, to know Jesus, to walk with Jesus. Um, they got, they got, they rolled up their sleeves and they just got into life and they did life together. Um, so you look at the contrast between their attitudes and their posture toward other people and their level of connection with them and it's instructive for us. And then he goes on to say, therefore, we never stop thanking God that when you received this message, I didn't think, you didn't think our words as human ideas, human ideas or bringing, bringing God's word, but it's God's word, which of course they are, right? And this word continues to work in you believe, because that's, that's what God does. Like he gives us his word as, as wisdom for our lives, mm -hmm. as guidance as we walk through the stuff that we walk through, whether it's really great stuff, can help us keep keep us in um, keep us in sync and in right position, but also in the really 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 hard stuff um, when we don't know what to think or to pray or to do or we feel isolated or afraid or unloved or whatever those things are, that He gives us hope through His Word. He gives us His truth to help guide us, and as His people, we can share that with others too and we can lean on him because I I for one 
have been pretty accustomed to leaning on myself and my own power for a whole mm -hmm. lot of my life, um, thinking that I could control things that I have absolutely no control over. Um, but we can deceive ourselves into that. And so his word helps us to learn to walk alongside him and learn to trust his word and to live out his word in every day. So Jesus is talking about um, servanthood and humility in these passages. And being a ser servant didn't necessarily mean being in a servile position, like only like completely lowering and not doing, but it's having an attitude of freely attending to others' needs mm -hmm. without expecting or demanding something in return. It's really what he's, what he's teaching you. And as we walk through the challenges of the world, with families and illnesses and violence and conflict, um, we can do, we can do the same. But it's completely opposed the, the leaders of the time, the traditions of those times. So Jesus is trying to teach something different through our Matthew passage, and then we get to see what it looks like in our First Thessalonians passage. You know that the people who put these lectionaries together, the scholars, that like they know, you know, it's just it's really sweet to be able to see the way His Word. You can hear a teaching and then see it lived out um, in another passage, which is which is pretty great. But to Him, greatness comes from serving, giving yourself up to God and to others. And if we have a servant mindset as opposed to a I'm a leader, I'm whatever mindset, uh, helps to keep us aware of other needs, others' needs, and keeps us from being solely turned inside on ourselves and focused on ourselves. Jesus is such a beautiful example of that in John 17, uh, right before Jesus is taken away to be. Yeah, that whole, that whole process. But when he's in the garden praying with his disciples, he, um, John 17 captures, they call it the high priest, the priestly prayer, but where he's, it's just, he's just in connection with God in this moment. And his pattern of prayer here is so beautiful. He prayed for himself, prayed for those close to him, and he prayed for those who would ultimately be affected by the ministry. And it talks about unity, you know, God that, that they would be one as we are one. And he just is this beautiful, um, just beautiful circular interchange just showing the beauty of connection and unity in his love and in his word. Um, he spoke of here, um, refers back to the love one another. Last week we talked about the greatest commandment, loving God with our heart, mind, soul, and strength, and our neighbor as ourselves. And he's talking about in love and unity to one another. And he doesn't pray to take his believers and his people out of the world or separate them from others, but that God would protect them and guide them and help them to be unified in him. And he goes, oh, my, my prayer is not for his disciples, bless you, alone. I pray for those who will believe in me through their message. Mm -hmm. That's us. I mean, Jesus, when he was in the garden, before he was about to be taken away, he was praying for all of us that we would know him, that others would come to know him through them, and that we would all be unified in one with one another and with him, mm -hmm. with God, like all together. Like that's the that's the picture, and that is you know when you think about Jesus knew what was going to happen. He knew they were going to take him away. He was going to be beaten. He was going to be flogged. It was going to be awful. Um, but he 
spent that time praying for those who were those who he had taught to be able to keep the faith to go forward to carry God's word and to us who would come to believe over time. That's an amazing thing. So it's important as we think about so we talk about you, we are a relation of a holy priesthood, right? We're set apart, but we're not we're set apart from practices of the world, but we're not set apart from the people of the world. And we're not set apart from the people that God would bring into our circles, whether they're Christians or not, whether they're like us or not, whether we understand them or not. Um, but he he wants to he wants to use us. You know, it, we I think about this time and in some in some ways, some of it is behind us, right? There are still people in the hospital. There are still people connected with our congregation that are caring for a patient who's still in ICU. Uh, there are people who are still facing surgeries that are grieving losses that just make no sense. Um, we can pray for them. Um, but as God brings people into our circles, how can we come alongside and offer a word of encouragement? or even just our presence, or a listening ear. If we don't always have to have the answers, we don't have to snap them with God's word, mm -hmm. but sometimes just showing God's love by being able to be willing to listen. It's hard to come alongside. It's hard, yeah. It's hard. Mm -hmm. it's, I mean, pain's tough, um, and grieving is hard. Um, that's what Jesus did. That's what Paul and Silas did, and that's what, what we can do, too. We can offer that encouragement to someone. Um, there was a um, there was a disappointment uh, last week, and uh, I watched I watched one of the leaders in this. It, it was not a church situation; it was a um, high school situation, and um, and it was a big disappointment. And I watched one of the leaders go over to a person who was going to be really sad and feel responsible for what happened, and offer just support, support and encouragement. And I'm like. Is such a beautiful picture of loving one another in a moment um, that we can do. So whether it's in our workplaces, our schools, we know that life can be hard and it can be traumatic. Um, it also can be great, uh, and He offers us the opportunity to share with one another. So I think just being aware. Uh, I can. I know other people who are part of the church who sometimes elevate themselves or condemn other people and we have a decision to, like as soon as I start to judge then I'm just doing the same thing so I'm not going to go there but I think what as I, as I was just working through this passage one of the things that that I just just kept feeling is like we always have a decision to make how are we going to use our faith um, and how can we encourage others in our faith or in in faith in a way that creates and doesn't oppress people or condemn them or isolate them. So, but how is it, um, how is it with you? You know, as we think about uh, opportunities to, um, to have privilege, right? It can be fun uh, in some ways. It can be, can be nice. Sometimes we can even feel um, excited about it, but we can become to feel entitled and it can separate us and create divisions. So just thinking about you know, what God might show you. There were, um, I'll date myself, but 
I would call it a classic movie, but a movie from the 80s, Trading Places. Oh, <laughs> yeah. Movie, yeah. Right? Yes. Uh, where it was basically a, a riches to rags and just the, the, um, the absolute switch in perspective and social encounters and everything else that came along with that. Um, there's also a Netflix series, and I won't even say the names, it's going to sound like I'm cursing, um, but family went from super rich and entitled to just about broke, uh, and watching them walk through walk through that. So, but with that, in in both of those, as we lose ourselves in some ways, or what we thought was maybe ourselves, uh, can gain new perspective, amen, new lenses, right, and redefine perspective on life mm -hmm. and relationships mm -hmm. and priorities. And so Jesus and Paul knew that these things are true. He knows our human nature. We like what we like, <laughs> and we like to be liked. Um, but he also wants us to be grounded and connected with him and connected with one another, and he offers through these passages this chance to look side by side and really make a different or make a decision in how we want to live in this world. But will our attitude be in relation with others? What will our posture be around others? And what level of connection are we willing to allow with God mm -hmm. and with others? So let's pray. God, you are good. You are always with us. We thank you for your word. We thank you for um, challenging us in some of the habits and things that we may have. And giving us a perspective to lift up and see what you see. God, thank you for giving us such clear examples of what it can look like living as Christians in the world with other people walking through difficult things. Um, two very different pictures. Thank you for clarifying for us what your heart is. Thank you for your heart for us, for your love for us. Thank you that that you came and that you gave and that you want nothing more uh, than for us to live in freedom and strength and faith and hope and peace and be vessels of your light and your peace and your hope and your compassion and your grace and mercy in this world. Thank you for your word that guides us. Thank you for this community of believers uh, that loves one another. Thank you for the privilege to walk together. Lord, we love you. We ask you to guide us in all that we do. We pray for the people in our community, and Lord, help us to um, have courage in you and, um, and find our strength in you and look to you for our source of peace. We praise you. We love you. In Jesus' name.